Hello, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. My name is Robin Birkin, and I'm the host of your podcast. You can also find me at moderndaymisses.com, where I have a bunch of um, articles, I have recipes, I have all sorts of goodies in there, uh, as well as my Fertility Warrior resource library, where I have heaps of freebies and downloads for you. Uh, but today I is not about me. Today is about a lady called Stephanie Roth. Now I've put the call out to some of my friends in the fertility world to see if they'd be interested in coming on the show and doing some guest podcasts. Uh, I think because sometimes it's all well and good listening to me all the time. Uh, but Fertility Worries is all about not feeling alone and I really wanted to share Stephanie's story because her story is very different to mine or her, I guess, diagnosis is different to mine. But one of the things that, as you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, is that I'm such a big advocate of what's also going on in your head. Uh, so it's not just about, you know, like what you eat and what you drink. And to me, that's, you know, like it's not just the mechanics, it's not just the science of what's happening, but you also really need to make sure that in order to survive infertility, uh, that you have your mindset right. Um, so Stephanie, I think, was about 42 when she started trying to conceive, and she had a really significantly diminished ovarian reserve and given a less than 2% chance of conceiving. But in the same way, you know, that I went through all of these things and then came back to and really found that the one thing that really helped me get through was this mindset. Um, the same thing happened to Stephanie. Um, I'm not going to talk too much longer. I'm going to let her share her story with you. Uh, and so, well, please welcome to the podcast, Stephanie Roth. Hello, Robin, and hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be with you and sharing a bit about my journey through fertility and where I am today. So just to introduce myself, my name is Stephanie Roth. I am a fertility coach and founder of my coaching business, Your Fertile Self. I've been coaching since early 2016, and my area of focus is primarily on helping women and couples prepare um, physically and emotionally for parenthood. So really looking at your physical and emotional well-being to prepare to conceive. Um, these are the things that helped me the most on my own journey, and I just feel very called to um, you know, share that with others. So... Um, in talking about my journey, I'll start at the end and then um, talk a little bit about sort of how I got to that point. So I um, had a long-standing interest in health and wellness. And actually, at the time that I was trying to conceive in 2012 and 2013, I um, was studying to be a health coach. I didn't really know what kind of health coach I wanted to be, but I had long been interested in, again, health and wellness and, um, you know, mindfulness and nutrition. And so I really wanted to... Um, you know, I was trying, I was studying to learn more about how I could help others through that interest. And I didn't really know what kind of health coach I wanted to be. I was very, you know, kind of gravitating towards health coaching for busy professional women. Um, I was a busy professional woman at that time, so it, that resonated with me. Um, and so it wasn't really until after my son was born and I was home with him as a newborn and 
it was the first time I'd really had time to reflect on my journey through fertility and how my son came to be. And through that reflection, I just knew that I felt very, very, very called to taking everything that I had learned over my journey through fertility over the previous, you know, 14, over the 14 months that it took me to conceive my son, um, to take everything I had learned about health and wellness and nutrition and mindfulness and uh, fertility and to take all of that and um, share with others and help other women and other couples who were now going down that path of fertility where I had been um, not too long before. And so that was when I decided to focus my coaching practice on fertility. So that's a little bit about me, and as you know now, my story did end with, my fertility story did end with the birth of my son. He was born in December of 2013, and he was actually conceived um, a month before my 43rd birthday. So I was always in that advanced maternal age category, always had age as a consideration during my entire journey to conceive. I was always kind of a late bloomer. Um, I didn't get married until I was 38 years old, and my husband and I, um, I think maybe a little bit naively, thought that like younger couples, we could just kind of be married for a few years and have fun and hang out before turning our attention to growing our family. So we actually didn't start trying to have a baby until I was 41, almost 42 years old. And at that time, I was mindful of my age. I was um, conscious of the fact that I was, you know, on the older side and hoping that that wouldn't be a detriment to me and my journey. Um, but we decided to just go ahead and do it anyway. So, um, again, I was almost 42. First month, that first month trying was officially was February of 2012. And the following month, so our second month trying, we actually got pregnant. I was, we were both over the moon. We were so excited. Um, couldn't believe how quickly it happened. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so easy. This is awesome. And then um, about six weeks later, we went to the obstetrician for our first um, OB appointment and discovered that um, there was no heartbeat. The baby, the embryo had likely stopped developing a few weeks earlier. I had had a missed miscarriage. And that was when I sadly came to the realization that maybe this whole getting pregnant and having a baby thing isn't quite as easy as I had thought that it had been earlier. I had had a missed miscarriage. I was pretty devastated, actually. So I um, had a DNC and was ready to start trying again. And once my period came back, once my cycles resumed, that took, you know, a month or a couple months. Um, and once, you know, my body got back to normal, we started trying again. We tried for a few months unsuccessfully and then decided that it was time to kind of call in the big guns and go see um, a fertility specialist, a reproductive endocrinologist. And so we had our first, our initial consult with the RE um, later that summer, like in August. 
and I was really nervous about the appointment. I it was very hard for me to call and schedule the consult. I'm not really sure why. I'm kind of the kind of person who can just call people up and talk on the phone and talk to anybody about anything. Um, but it was very hard for me, and I was very nervous about calling the RE. And I had actually a friend who was really kind of holding my feet to the fire to make sure I did it because I kind of procrastinated about it since it was so hard. I think it was so hard because, um, you know, frankly, I had not been, you know, I don't get sick very often. I I don't really go to doctors very often. So I wasn't totally comfortable in the world of doctors and medicine. I was also afraid of what I might learn um, by opening that, you know, opening that box up. It was almost like opening a Pandora's box, going to the fertility specialist, you know, what would I discover when I started down that path? And um, I, I guess I was afraid because of my age that there would be something quote wrong with me that would impede my ability to have a baby. And, and so I was really kind of scared, but I, I, my friend, I have a debt of gratitude to my friend because she's the one I'm, I'm not sure. I think I would have eventually gotten around to doing it if it hadn't been for her, but she's really the one who pushed me to do it, um, as quickly as I did. So I had the first consult with the doctor and, um, I'll say I was so nervous leading up to it, but once I met with my doctor, he really put me at ease, and he was fantastic, and I had a great relationship with both him and my nurse. So, um, you know, I felt much more at ease after that and um, in going through the whole process. So uh, we had the consult with the doctor. We had our, you know, initial testing done. Uh, Testing for my husband came back fine and normal. Everything was cool with him. Um, the issue lay with me. And we discovered that um, my test results were really um, pretty abysmal, actually. My follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, was elevated at 16.4. The doctors normally like to see that below 10. And my uh, AMH, anti-malarian hormone, um, which for a woman in her early 40s, they like to see above 1.0 and above, Mine was 0.15, so it was extremely low. Um, They also did an antral follicle count um, where they go in early in your cycle, usually day two or three, and they count the number of um, eggs that are starting to grow in your uterus um, or follicles that are starting to grow in your uterus. And again, they like to see that kind of around 15, between 15 and 20. I had like three. Um, and I think during my treatment cycles, I never had more than five. So, um, the fact that my FSH was elevated, my AMH was very, very low, and my antral follicle count was very, very low, all led the doctor to conclude that my egg supply was low, and I was diagnosed with diminished ovarian reserve, which was just basically a fancy way of saying that I, I didn't have very many eggs left, and that they suspected that the eggs that I did have left, you know, they weren't really of good quality. So based on all of that, my doctor predicted that I had less than a 2% chance of getting pregnant and having a baby with my own eggs and suggested that for me, the best course of treatment would be to um, have donor egg IVF. So doing IVF using eggs from a donor. And I sat with this for a while. Um, Of course, I was very, very upset. I... um, you know, berated myself for not doing this when I was younger, for not trying to have a baby when I was younger. Why didn't I do this sooner? 
um, and now I'm stuck in this predicament. Um, and I just, after sitting with it for a while, I was pretty upset, but I decided that I was very thankful for the option of donor egg IVF. And I still maintain that that's a fantastic way, um, you know, that we're very fortunate to live in an era where we can have that option available to us to build our families. Um, you know, it really wasn't that long ago that um, for women with fertility struggles, um, if she wasn't able to get pregnant and have a baby, you know, she was just kind of out of luck. And now we live in a time where so many options like donor egg IVF are available to us to help, um, you know, to help those of us with fertility challenges have our families. So I, I knew that was, I felt very thankful for having that option. But I also knew at the same time that I didn't want to just start my journey with fertility treatment. I didn't want to just right out of the gate be doing donor egg IVF. I really wanted to try with my own eggs first. Um, you know, I really wanted to make the effort to do as much as I could and leave no stone unturned. And, and um, you know, I really wanted to try with my own eggs first. And I told my doctor that I wanted to try IUI first. And thankfully, my doctor was really, really supportive of that. He, um, you know, said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, um, I support that and we'll see how you respond and we'll see how, how you do. So my first IUI, I had my first IUI procedure in October of 2012. And I actually got a positive. Um, pretty excited about that again. Um, but it resulted in another early loss. Uh, it was a, a chemical pregnancy. So another, technically another miscarriage. Um, second IUI was a negative. And then I went in for what would have been my third IUI. And I ended up um, you know, going in for the baseline testing. Doctor's office calls and they said, well, your hormone levels are crazy, you know, from my blood work. Your hormones are crazy. You have cysts. Um, you really, you need to sit this cycle out. So my cycle was canceled. I was really, 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 really bummed when this happened because I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm just getting started on fertility treatment. Um, I'm not even doing, you know, a super, super invasive treatment. I'm doing IUI with Clomid um, and my body can't even handle it. And um, I just felt very defeated at that point. So one thing led to another, and my canceled cycle ended up actually being three months away from the RE's office. I actually didn't go in for another treatment cycle for about three months. Um, this was largely due to just kind of scheduling and travel. You know, after my canceled cycle and my period came, I looked at the calendar and discovered that, you know, I'd be on travel and away during all the key monitoring days. So I couldn't, you know, do a treatment cycle that month. Then the next month, my period came again, and it was Christmas, and we were going to be away during the Christmas holiday. And again, kind of during what would have been all the key monitoring time. So I had to sit another month out. So just in the end, it ended up being three months away from treatment. And it ended up being a blessing. Um, I was so bummed that, you know, I had just kind of gotten some momentum going with my treatment and then I had to sit out for all this time but it was actually a blessing because I used that time very um 
judiciously. Very, I was very um, productive during this time. I really, I took the time to really go inward and reflect on my journey thus far. And um, I've been a long-standing yoga practitioner, so I'm very adept at kind of sitting in silence and um, waiting for guidance to come to me. And that's what I did during this time. I, I really sat with myself and looked, waited for more guidance about my journey. And it came. And it came to me, and it, I knew as a result of my reflection, I knew that I had to approach my journey differently. Up until this point, I had done so much um, to help myself get ready for conception. I had, you know, really cleaned up my diet. I had, um, again, like I said, I've been a robust yoga. I had a very robust yoga practice. I'd been a yoga practitioner for many, many, many years. Um, I was doing that. Um, I was, you know, looking at my sleep. I started sleeping better. I was taking vitamins. Um, so I was, I was doing a lot, but I still wasn't getting pregnant. And I knew intuitively that I needed to work on my mindset, that this was the piece that was missing from my journey. My mind and my body were very disconnected. And I needed to make an effort to connect the two if I was ever going to have success on this path. Um, I started tuning into the messages that I was giving myself around fertility and around my journey. And I didn't really like what I heard. I, you know, we have conversations with ourselves all day, every day, in our heads, all the time. Most of the time, it's just sort of background noise for us, and we're not really tuning in to what we're telling ourselves. And during this hiatus from treatment, I started tuning in to what I was telling myself. And what I was telling myself was this. You're too old. You don't have very many eggs left. The eggs you have left are crap. Of course, you're going to be the one with really horrible fertility results. Why me? And my personal favorite, I told myself, you're just not meant to be a mother. So I ask you, with messages like this swirling around in my head all day, every day, is it any surprise to any of you that I was approaching my journey every month from a place of fear and desperation? Because I was. Every month I was saying to myself, God, I hope it works this month. Oh my God, what am I going to do if I get another negative this month? What am I going to do if I don't get pregnant? What am I going to do if I don't have my baby? Oh my God, I hope it works this month. And that, my friends, is a place of fear and desperation. It is not a place of confidence. It is not a place of trust. It is not a place of belief, real belief, that this will work for me. And I knew, after I really kind of started paying attention to this, I really knew that I needed to change this if I was going to have success on my fertility journey. Now, I might, I could change this and maybe still might not have success anyway, um, because as I've already said, I kind of had some of the odds stacked against me just in kind of with my test results and, you know, age and biology. 
But I knew that if unless I changed my mindset, I, you know, that changing my mindset would give me a better chance at success. And if I didn't work on this, I would not have any success at all. So it was really important to me. I knew that it was imperative to kind of work on my attitude, so to speak. So then I said about, you know, how am I going to do this? And again, I kind of sat in more silence. And I kind of just felt intuitively that a mindfulness practice and meditation would be um, a good solution for me. So I was already doing a lot of yoga. So the first thing I did was I started doing a lot more yoga. You know, I was going to more classes, um, you know, working on my practice at home. Um, and, at, you know, and for those of you who are yoga practitioners, you know about final pose at the end of class, shavasana, corpse pose, final relaxation pose. I really used that, you know, that pose already has so many meditative qualities. And so I really started using that pose to really tune in to my body, um, my reproductive area, um, you know, just visual closing my eyes and breathing and visualizing myself being pregnant and having a baby, visualizing myself holding my baby in my arms, um, visualizing, you know, treatment working just the way it's supposed to. Um, I really did a lot of work around that. And that was probably the first thing that I did. Um, and then I decided, you know, I remembered for the first time in years um, that I had, you know, done some recorded meditations in the past to help me manifest things in my life that I wanted. Um, you know, back when I was in high school, I had done this before successfully um, and college and, you know, just kind of when I was a young adult. And I had forgotten all about that um, until I was on my fertility path. And what I had done was I had, I'd write a story. Um, I would write a story about, you know, for example, if I wanted a, a job or something, I would write a story about me applying for the job and interviewing for the job and the interview going well and getting the job. And I would write the story and I would record myself um, reading the story and I would listen to my recording on my big old 1980s tape recorder. Um, you know, I would listen to it over and over and over again, primarily at night when I was falling asleep. And so when I found myself, you know, many, many, many years later on the path of fertility, I thought, well, why don't I just do one of my stories? I hadn't thought about this in years, but I was like, well, what do I have to lose? So I wrote a story, and I, I'm a writer, so this was just felt very natural for me. Um, I'm a I, I, so I wrote a story about me getting pregnant and having a baby. And what made the story more powerful was I had resumed treatment at this point, and what I would do is I would continually update my story every day or every other day, every time I went to the doctor for a monitoring appointment, I would update the story with information from my doctor's appointment. So for example, and re-record it, you know, it was a new story at that point, and I would re-record it and listen to it over and over again. And the next time I went to the doctor, I would do it again. So for example, if I would go to the doctor and say, he would say, well, you have three follicles, two on the left and one on the right, and the ones on the left are 16 millimeters and the one on the right is 14 millimeters. Well, I'd write all that down and I'd go home and I'd update my story with that information. 
and listen to it over and over and over and over again. Two days later, I'd go back to the doctor and my follicles have grown. And now they are um, 18 millimeters on the left and 16 millimeters on the right. And the ultrasound technician says, oh my gosh, everything looks great. Well, I'd go home and I would update my story with that new information, including the fact that the ultrasound technician said that everything looked great. Um, and again, I would update my story, re-record it, listen to it over and over and over again. I would listen to my story, you know, I just would record it using the voice memo function on my phone. So I had it right there on my phone. And I could listen to it anywhere, you know. I would listen to it when I was falling asleep at night, again, just over and over and over and over again. If I was still awake at the end of the story, I'd press repeat and just listen to it again until I fell asleep. I would listen to it at the time um, I was commuting an hour each way to go to work. So I would listen to it on the bus. That was great time for just tuning into myself and listening to my story, which really is a form of visualization and a form of meditation. I would close my eyes and just get centered and I would breathe and I would listen to my story and really focus on my story. Um, so really anytime I had a quiet moment, you know, one day I was at the Department of Motor Vehicles and I had like a 15 minute wait until it was my turn. I would, you know, pop in my earbuds and I would listen to my story. So, um, I had my story that of course ended with me, um, getting pregnant and having a baby. The really interesting thing about the story is that it, um, was, fiction in a way because um, I wasn't pregnant yet and hadn't had a baby yet, but that's what happened in the story. But it was rooted in reality and fact because I was using information that came from my doctor's appointments, how many follicles I had, what they were measuring, how they were growing, any commentary that the doctor or the ultrasound technician or my nurse, you know, any commentary that anyone was saying about anything that was happening in my cycle and how I was responding, all went into the story. So there was some reality and some fact that was providing um, good basis for this so-called fictional story. And then at the end of the story, at the end of the meditation, I included affirmations for myself. So I was telling myself, you will be a mother. You are fertile. This treatment is working for you. Things are unfolding exactly the way they should. You will be a mother. You will be a mother. You will be a mother. Saying that over and over to myself as an affirmation. So for my third and fourth IUI cycles, I, um, in addition to all the dietary and exercise and, you know, physical well-being changes I had already made in my life, I incorporated this practice of meditation and my personalized story. And it didn't take me long, once I started to do this, it didn't take me long to notice a shift. I felt better in my body. I felt more comfortable in my skin. I felt more comfortable with my journey. I felt more optimistic and more positive about my journey and how it was going and how it would all unfold. And I noticed a change in my attitude. Um, no longer was I obsessing over the past 
and my cycles that hadn't worked or the miscarriages that I'd had. And no longer was I dwelling about the future. You know, oh God, I hope it works this month. What if it doesn't work this month? I was firmly grounded in the present moment because I was so focused for getting the, you know, for writing my meditation and writing my story. I was so focused on what was happening in the present moment with my developing cycle and with my growing follicles and with my body responding to medication. I was firmly grounded in the present moment. And in the end, my friends, the present moment is all that we have. The past is the past. It's over and done with. And it's already happened. It can't be changed. And the future is the future. It's an unknown and it hasn't happened yet. The present moment is all that we have. So I started to notice this focus in myself on the present moment and being in the present moment. And I also noticed a change in the messages that I was giving myself. So no longer was I telling myself, you're too old, your eggs are crap, of course this isn't going to work for you. Instead, I was telling myself, you will be a mother, and this will happen for you, and this will work for you. Because those are the affirmations that I was including in my meditation. And so I just felt so much better about my journey. I felt so much better, more comfortable um, in my skin, in my journey, in my life, in having the faith and the trust and the knowing that motherhood was around the corner for me in some fashion. So my third IUI cycle, um, I added, um, I did another Clomid, an IUI cycle, and added injectable medication, and that was a negative. The fourth IUI cycle um, was another Clomid plus injectable medication IUI cycle, and this was the cycle that gave me my positive pregnancy test result and my son um, nine months later. And um, I can't really explain where this came from, but I had an innate knowing on the onset of that cycle that it would be successful. My period came. I called my doctor's office to tell them I was day one. I scheduled my day three appointment. And I just knew, I, it, with every fiber of my being, I just knew that that was the cycle that was going to give me my, my child. And I don't know where that came from, but I suspect that it came from just having that trust and that faith and that confidence, that quiet confidence and the surrender to the process, which I just think is so important on this path. Um, I think it's probably one of the most important things, actually. You know, we try so hard to do so much, and what can I do, and what can I do, and what can I do, and what can I eat, and what supplements can I take, and how much should I exercise, and what else can I do, and what can I do, and what can I do to get pregnant. And I think sometimes the most important thing to do is to let go and surrender. And of course, we want to be taking care of ourselves. We want to be the healthiest self that we can be. Um, but sometimes it's that surrender and that letting go that really enables us to create the space in our bodies and in our mind for 
um, conception to happen for us. So the mindfulness work and the meditation work is what I really credit the biggest part of my successful journey. Um, I credit my success to that. I don't think I would have had it without that. Um, but that's not to diminish, you know, the dietary changes, the, you know, kind of eating less meat, cooking at home more. You know, one thing that my husband and I did was we, you know, before we started you know, on our journey, we, you know, we were kind of tip, a typical kind of urban professional couple. We ate out a ton. We ate out all the time. We started cooking at home more and really just paying more attention to what we were putting, you know, what we were eating and how we were preparing our food and how we were cooking and what we were eating and, you know, buying organic fruits and vegetables. And we really started, um, you know, paying a lot of attention to that. And that was huge. We were getting so much healthier and feeling so much better. Um, you know, sleep was a big thing for me. I started going to bed earlier and just getting more sleep and turning down commitments so that I would have, um, you know, so I wasn't overcommitted and staying up late every night trying to get everything done. Um, you know, I continued my yoga um, and, and gentle forms of exercise. You know, this is all so, so, so important. And I don't mean, I don't want to diminish any of that at all. Um, I, it's so important on this journey to be just the healthiest self you can be physically and emotionally. Um, and I really do maintain that the physical, the work that we do on our physical health, you know, the diet, the exercise, the sleep, the vitamins, the supplements, um, you know, holistic remedies, you know, I really embraced reflexology on my journey. So if you like reflexology or acupuncture or massage, you know, really explore to find what works for you. Um, all of those things are so important because they help keep our body in peak physical shape, which allows us to pursue the mindfulness work. It gives us the stamina to endure a practice like mindfulness or meditation. Um, it gives us, it helps us feel the best we can feel to do really the deep work that we need to do to create the space in our body and our minds to conceive. So it's all interconnected. Um, and every piece is so vital. Um, I wrote a blog post about a year ago, um, kind of detailing um, all of this work that I did on my path to fertility from the diet and the exercise to the mindfulness and setting the intention for it to happen. Um, that blog is available on my website, uh, yourfertileself.com. I'd love for you to check that out. Um, as well as just other suggestions. And there's a lot of suggestions on my site of things that you can do to really prepare yourself physically and emotionally for conception to happen for you. Um, so yeah, it was a month before my 43rd birthday. Um, I got my positive pregnancy test for a viable pregnancy. Um, I was 43, almost 44 when my son was born. I... Um, you know, kind of defied the odds that I was given that I had less than a 2% chance of conceiving with my own eggs. Not only did I use my own eggs, but I was able to conceive using IUI, um, which is pretty amazing considering um, the test results that I had. Um, I didn't need IVF. I didn't do donor egg IVF. Um, 
I was able to conceive um, using a pretty low-tech treatment option, um, primarily through um, you know clean living and um, embracing a healthy mindset. You know, this journey is such an emotional one. It can be a very lonely one. I wasn't the best at seeking out support, um, with the exception of my friend that I mentioned who kind of held my feet to the fire to get me to call the doctor. Other than that, I, I really didn't seek out much support. I felt very alone on my path. And so a big part of my coaching now is to create that space um, for women to come together in support on this path because it's so, so, so important. Thank you so much for letting me be with you today. It's been a pleasure for me to be with you and uh, chat with you about what helped me along my complicated path of fertility. Um, And I look forward to hearing from you and to connecting with you and helping you along your own path as well. Thank you so, so, so very, very much. Wow. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing your story with us and being our guest podcaster on the Fertility Warriors podcast today. I'm sure you'll all agree that it's always nice to hear stories of other people's roller coaster journeys on their um, fertility path and their path to having children. And it's always comforting to hear a happy ending at the end, which is what Stephanie had. Now, If you are interested in finding out more about Stephanie, she has a ton of blog posts, heaps of blog posts on her blog, which is at Your Fertile Self. And she also has her own Facebook group. So if you wanted to get in touch with uh, some other people and you've joined the Fertility Warriors Facebook group, but you're totally like, I need to dominate my Facebook feed with other warriors, then do it. And her Facebook group is called Path to Your Fertile Self. Uh, And if you have a look on her website, as well though not only will you find blog posts you if you have a little look around you'll actually find a blog post that has a meditation on there so i know i've had such great feedback about my meditation podcast and there are definitely more in the works but if you would like another meditation to listen to then head over there to listen to that one as i mentioned she obviously does fertility coaching as well and she does things like um, on her Facebook page and things like that, like smoothie challenges. So if you'd like a 10-day smoothie challenge, then definitely get on board for that as well. But her page is Your Fertile Self. So head over there. You can also look at the show notes of this podcast to get all of the links to all of her social media channels and things like that as well. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll catch you next time.